0: Well, before we get into our text for the morning, I um, want to let you know that the well is 10 years old this year. So let's clap that up. Um, we've, we've seen salvation come. We've seen people receive Christ. We have seen uh, lives transformed. We've seen uh, marriages rescued. We have seen uh, foster kids adopted. Uh, we've seen Title I schools cared for a principal, and, and her husband came to Christ at one of those schools. Uh, so just... Uh, Amazing things, and we we pray that God would give us those kinds of things for generations to come. So uh, we just want to get together on June 5th, so uh, this is maybe one of the only times you'll hear me say this. Get out your phones if you'd like, and you can put June 5th on your calendar. That's the first kind of Sunday of summer. Uh, June 5th at 10 a.m., we've rented out the Civic Center, and we're going to have a big old blast just to celebrate God's faithfulness and His goodness to us. Uh, So we'll have uh, a worship service where stories will be shared and that kind of stuff, and then we're going to have a huge old feast, and uh, uh, folks will come that have kind of moved away, and folks who are supporters and have been supporters for for years will come. Some local pastors will be there uh, who have helped uh, support the well over these past 10 years. So uh, mark that time, uh, June 5th, and we cannot wait to celebrate with you there. The next just quick announcement, it is uh, Palm Sunday, so that means we're heading into Good Friday this Friday, and we will uh, again want to highlight 6 p.m. this Friday. We're going to have a time of just uh, more kind of quiet reflection, uh, reading through uh, the final week of Jesus' life and and praying and and confessing, taking communion together and worshiping. It's going to be a very sweet time. Uh, I'd ask for you to mark that uh, time aside and and come worship on Good Friday uh, as well. Well, if you've been with us as we've gone through 1st uh, Peter and we head into 2nd Peter in a couple weeks here, uh, you, you've seen uh, Peter and all of his kind of charges to us in the letter of 1st Peter. And, and you might think, man, what a, a, a monster of the faith. This guy is a guru and, and I could never be like him. If you know some of Peter's story, uh, you know that after he wrote 1 Peter and 2 Peter where he said things like, don't be surprised at the fiery trial you're suffering as he, Peter, is standing through this fiery trial. If you know anything of his story, you know he's crucified upside down in Rome under Nero's reign. He's crucified upside down because he tells uh, his his attackers, he says, don't hang me in the same way as Jesus. I'm not worthy to be crucified like him. Crucify me upside down. You're like, oh my gosh, what a martyr, what a man of the faith. I could never be like him. But if you also know some of Peter's story, as he writes the Gospel of Mark along with Mark, uh, you know it's full of a lot of ups and downs, too. And you know maybe that it's kind of marked by this one giant fall. The denial of Christ. And that Peter's life, and it maybe should have been fully marked by this other than God's grace, it is marked by that moment where he denied even knowing Jesus when Jesus went to the cross and he had to hang there alone because Peter said, I don't even know that guy. Uh, this week we're going to look at... Peter's denial. And what we're going to do is we're going to ask ourselves, uh, what leads to a fall like that? Why did he fall and why do we often fall in our lives? And then next week on Easter, we're, we're going to go through one of my favorite passages in John chapter 21. Because that denial, that fall, that disaster, that, that moment where Elijah just read, where, where Peter is weeping bitterly, well, that moment ought to have defined his whole life. But on Easter Sunday, we're going to look at the embrace of Peter and what Jesus does in John chapter 21. But this morning, we're going to ask ourselves, well, why do we fall? Why did Peter fall? Uh, this kind of normal guy who had ups and downs and giant falls What leads to that kind of disaster and sadness in our own life? Uh, Let's get a little context uh, first of who Peter is, the real Peter. Uh, So, uh, Jesus uh, calls Andrew, and, and Andrew is Peter's brother. So Andrew says to Peter, he says in John chapter 1, in the beginning, of Mark he says, Come along along with me, Peter. Uh, uh, let's follow this Jesus. And and Peter shows up and and his name is Simon, which means kind of pebble. And Jesus says, right up from the beginning, he says, I'm gonna name you Peter, Stone Rock. And Peter, you know, it's probably like, that sounds pretty good. I kind of like that, right? And so he begins following Jesus, and then, you know, there's this moment where uh, Jesus' kind of fame is growing some, and people are talking about him, and and Jesus says to his disciples, and Peter's there, because Peter's one of the close followers of Jesus, Peter, James, and John, uh, the kind of three close good buddies of Jesus, and, and they're around him, and Jesus says, hey, who do people say that I am? And Peter nails it on the head. He says, you are the Christ. That's who you are. People are saying Elijah and Moses, all these other people, but, but you are the Christ. You're the chosen one, the Savior, the one we're all waiting for. And Jesus commends him. He's like, I'm going to build my church on this kind of faith of, of any who receive me as the Christ, the chosen one. And, and then he starts talking about how he's going to do it. Jesus says, I'm going to die on a cross. And Peter says, no way, we won't let that happen to you. And Jesus, who's just commended him now, points a finger at Peter and corrects him and says, get behind me, Satan. Whew! Peter's like, oh, I thought we were buddies. Yeah, but not that kind of way. Real life relationship, ups and downs. There's this moment there... Uh, Jesus goes up on the Mount of Olives and he's transfigured. He's, he's, he's shining brightly in all of his glory as God. And Elijah's there and Moses is there. And Jesus is teaching these, these three close buddies, Peter, James, and John, uh, in this moment. And Peter's like, this is amazing. Let's put up tents and stay forever. And Jesus is like, No. We're going down. And, and in that same kind of moment, God, the Father from heaven, says, This is my son. Listen to him. As if to say, Peter, you got to shut your mouth. <laughs> then there's this other moment. Maybe, maybe you remember it. Uh, Peter is in this boat, and in this, uh, the storms are kind of raging, and Jesus begins to walk on the water uh, past them. As Peter and the disciples are in the boat, and Peter looks out at Jesus and he's like, That looks pretty awesome. And he says, Jesus, if it's you, would you call me out on the water? And Jesus says, it is me. Come on out and walk. And and Peter's walking on the water. It's amazing, right? But then his faith fails and he begins to sink. And Jesus is like, oh, man, I made these seas. I can hold you up on them. You have little faith. And he calls him up and he calls him into the boat. Well, now it's the last week of Jesus's life. It's Palm Sunday, uh, Mark chapter 11, and and Jesus comes into Jerusalem, and the crowds are cheering, Hosanna, Hosanna, God save, save us now. They're kind of declaring him king, they're waving palm branches, they're saying, this is the one we've waited for. But it's going to be Friday at noon that they all crucify him. And there's this kind of uh, uproar of people praising him and then the Pharisees are trying to kill him and they're plotting against him. And Jesus keeps saying things like, my hour has come. And he's talking about his hour of when he's going to be hung on a tree and die. But then he's going to resurrect and meet them in Galilee. It's in this quiet moment on a Thursday night. That so we'll pick up this moment that Peter and Jesus have together with the other disciples. It's Monday, Thursday, uh, as if uh, uh, highlighting the fact that Jesus has just washed their feet. He's been anointed uh, for his death and burial. And he's instituting what we now call the Last Supper, or communion. And, and we pick up in chapter 14 of Mark in verse 22. It's Thursday evening. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread. And after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to them. And said, take, this is my body. And he took a cup. And when he given thanks, he gave it to them. And as they all drank of it, and he said to them, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly, I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And when they had sung a hymn, that's a sweet moment. I love that. They're around the table. They're all sitting together. John will tell us they're reclining, and they're really close and intimate with Jesus. Then he's telling them, I'm going to die for you. My blood's going to be spilled. My body's going to be broken. And they sing this hymn together. Man, can you imagine that moment? It's amazing. I mean, sometimes when we're in here, we'll really get singing. We'll say, whoa, praise God. But can you imagine that moment around the table? They probably weren't all on the same side of the table posing for a painting. They're, they're all close. They're all singing into each other's eyes and faces. And they're praising God for what he's going to do in salvation through this one they're sitting with. And then they walk out together just probably a few hundred yards down in the Kidron Valley outside of Jerusalem. It's just this little kind of indentation of a valley and, and right to the bottom of the Mount of Olives. And there's this garden there, Gethsemane, and that's where they're going to be. And we pick up in verse 22. They sung this hymn, or it 26, sorry. They went out to the Mount of Olives and Jesus said to them, You will all fall away. For it's written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I'm raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. And Peter said to Jesus, even though they all fall away, I will not. Remember, we're looking for that sign, uh, that reason of why do we fall. And and Peter uh, stands right before Jesus and he says, these guys all may fall away. When you go to the cross, they may leave you, I will not. I won't fall away. These guys may be lame, they don't have the faith I have, they haven't seen the things I've seen with you, you know, Peter, James, and John, we're close with you, we were in all those uh, moments with you, I I will not fall away. They might fall away, but I will not, I've got what it takes. It takes. And Jesus said to him, you can imagine Jesus looking right in Peter's eyes, Truly, I tell you this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But Peter said emphatically, I love the detail. Peter said emphatically, if I must die with you, Jesus, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. Jesus says to Peter, You will deny me. This this is how it is written. This is the Father's plan. Uh, He will strike me, the shepherd, and the sheep will scatter. I'll be left alone to hang on that tree for your sin and your denial and your shame. And Peter looks right at Jesus and says, No way. Do you see his words? They're dripping with self-confidence, self-reliance. I have what it takes, Jesus. Jesus. I can walk with you to the cross. If I have to die with you, I will. They may not have what it takes, but I do. You, Jesus, might think I'll fail, but I will not. I will not. The first reason for our failure, our falls, when we are ought to be following and clinging to Christ is this our self-reliance. Our self-reliance. What needs to happen in our life is, is there the, the I will and I will not, I have what it takes, I can do it, needs to shift into I need. I need you and I need others. I do not have what it takes. Our self reliance, our self confidence must shift from I will, I can, I will not, I have what it takes to I need. I do not have what it takes. I am dependent on you and your strength. I need you. You are my confidence. I am not my confidence. Self-reliance, self-confidence is the first mark of fall and failure in our life. See, the text should have read this way, right? Jesus stands up, says, this is what's going to (laughs) happen. And Peter should have said, Oh, all of us are weak. Oh, man, we need you. We want to stick by you, Jesus. Uh, would you give us the strength to? Would you? Would you link our arms together that we could walk with you into this moment? We we don't have what it takes. We we don't have everything that's needed. Well, we need you, and we need each other. Help us, please. And notice the contrast of how Jesus enters uh, this moment of the cross, verse thirty-two and following. And they went to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John, and they began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death, remain here and watch. And going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that if it were possible, this hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, this affectionate term, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. God, Father, Jesus says, man, I don't even want to walk into this. Is there a different way there? But but if this is what you desire, Father, I'll go there with you. Whatever your will is, I want to go there with you. I don't even want it. I don't, I don't feel like I have what it takes. He's crying and in tears of blood, even or, or dripping of, of sweatlets uh, from his arms. And he, he, he says, I need you. I don't want to go this way, but carry me there if it's your will. We are a self reliant, self confident people. It leads to our fall and our loneliness. Uh, think about, you know, when was the last time you just repetitiously sat with the Lord in his scriptures and in prayer and just sat with him every day over and over again? Uh, instead, in our lives, what, what occurs is our, our Bibles gather dust and our prayer journals remain blank, right? Because, uh, in essence, we are saying with our lives, I have what it takes, uh, we kind of push aside like, oh, I've just been missing my quiet times or that kind of uh, trite language. But, but really what we're saying is, I don't need you. I've got what it takes to make it through my life at work. I've got what it takes to make it through my life in college. I've got what it takes to do well by myself. Uh, think about uh, your connectedness to your community group or your 3D. How essential is community with the church for you? Are you coming every Sunday? Are you going to every time your community group uh, gathers, every time your 3D meets and saying, I need you guys. I need you gals. We've got to walk this thing uh, together. Why? Because I don't have what it takes. I do not have what it takes. I love Jesus as he goes to the cross here. He preemptively comes before the Father and says... Carry me there if it's your will. He preemptively, and we need to preemptively, like, much like Peter did not do, declare our dependence and our need for God and for others. When we're facing sin or suffering... Or any sort of shortcoming in our life. Uh, When we are facing temptation, we need to preemptively reach out to others and reach out to our God to say, walk me through this. Would would your glory, would your beauty be more enticing uh, than this sin that's before me? When we're uh, walking into cancer or hardship or something at work, would we say, man, I'm going to need your help to the church around us? It's been so beautiful to see one of our families. Uh, uh, this gal is suffering from cancer, and she's going through treatment right now. She's in her fifth week of something like 17 weeks. And, and, and from the very beginning, they've said, help us. And they've reached out to their community group. And her community group is helping and carrying them in it. It's amazing. It's a declaration of dependence which steers us away from our falls and destruction. Preemptively. Uh, This week, I got this text. Reads this. It's a pastor friend of mine, and he pings me a text midweek and he goes, Hey, will you call me and pray for me tonight? My wife's gone. I'm a bit nervous about falling into temptation. It can be later in the evening. I respond. Yes, for sure. I'll call you tonight and ask you about it in the morning. Hey, remember, Jesus offers life and everything else brings death. Cut off every possible access point tonight. Love you, bro. Talk to you soon. He responds fist bump. (laughs) I respond praying for you now. It's that evening, and I'll call you soon. He responds. Thanks, buddy. This is the next morning, 8.15. I fell asleep early. What an act of mercy and God's grace, getting the kids out the door now for school. I respond. Hey, keep your eyes and hearts set on the Lord, your kids, wife, and the joys that go deep and last long in Christ. Love you, bro. Sleep well. He responds. Fist bump. (laughs) Preemptively. Reaching out before the sin, before the suffering, before your shortcoming. It may be the very thing that keeps you from the fall and despair in any of these areas. It wasn't for Peter. He was self-confident, self-reliant. and It brought him to his shame. One other thing I do that helps in this area in terms of Reliance on Christ rather than self is every morning I've been telling you about this journal over and over again. I, I've just been sitting with the Lord in a simple few minutes and here's what I pray in the morning through three things. The Father, today I commit my life to you, I submit my plans to you, and I accept your grace. It's pretty simple. That's my morning prayer. I commit my life to you, I submit my plans to you, and I accept your grace. Here's what that looks like. I'll, I'll, I'll come before him and I'll... I'll praise him or I'll thank him a little bit and I'll just say, God, I commit today to you. And in that I'm saying, I'm not living today for myself or alone. I'm living it for and with you. God, I commit my day to you. Then I submit my plans to you. Uh, Which is to say often, uh, you can change things the way you want to direct them. And I trust you, I love you, I want to follow you in those directions, God. So I submit my plans to you, knowing that, that you may steer me this way when I want to go that way. But I, but I hand it to you, knowing I'm a dependent on your sovereign good grace to, to direct my day in the way that you want it to go. And then last, I accept your grace, Father. Simply to say, I don't have what it takes today. The things you have before me, if it's a sermon to preach or a sermon to prepare, if it's counseling meeting to sit in or a staff uh, evaluation to do, God, I don't have what it takes. Would you meet me with your resources? I accept your grace preemptively. And I accept your grace in the areas I I may fail today. So God, give me your grace to walk in your strength today. See, in that kind of prayer, if we start our prayers, our days like that, we say, God, we don't have what it takes, but you do. And we submit ourselves to you, asking for your grace, your strength, your mercy, your sovereign goodness in our lives. And we'll live and walk with you and with others. Mark number one before the failure is our self-confidence, our self-reliance. Our our I will needs to shift into I need. I need. Let's go on. Uh, Peter's denial. What occurs when Peter denies Jesus, and what does it tell us about what leads to his fall and our fall? This is Mark chapter 14, verse 66 and following. And as Peter was below in the courtyard, uh, now here's what's occurred. Peter has uh, walked with James and John and the rest of the disciples into uh, the Garden of Gethsemane on the Mount of Olives, the very base of it. And Uh, And then, uh, just as Jesus said, uh, he's arrested, and everyone scatters. So Thursday night has turned into about midnight. Now we're in Friday morning, 1 a.m., 2 a.m., 3 a.m., somewhere in there. And and this sham trial is beginning, where Jesus is taking to Annas and and Caiaphas, the high priest at the time. And and he's going to stand before them in this sham kind of way. They're going to accuse him of things he's not guilty of, that, that they can crucify him. They're going to hand him to Pilate, and Pilate, with Roman authority, is going to crucify him. This Friday morning heading towards Friday at noon when Jesus is going to be hung on a cross. And Peter is below in this courtyard. He's just run away, most likely naked, in fear and shame. Uh, the uh, passage just earlier, says he's so terrified that uh, this soldier reaches out to grab him and, and gets a hold of his cloak. And rather than keeping his clothes on, he's so scared, he, he, he bolts out of there and loses them. But this is after he's already taken a sword and he's lopped off one of the uh, uh, soldier's ears. He's cut it off, and, and Jesus picks it up, puts it back on and says, Peter, this isn't the time for that. Okay, so he's kind of already spiraling in self-confidence and self-reliance. But here's what occurs now. He's below in the courtyard, and one of the servant girls of the high priest came. Now, we're not supposed to be picturing mighty and scary and terrifying. Servant girl is the detail of the high priest. And seeing Peter warning himself, he, he looked, she looked at him and said, You also were with the Nazarene Jesus, number one. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. And he went out into the gateway, and the rooster crowed that first time. And the servant girl girl saw him and began again to say to the bystanders, "Uh, This man is one of them. But again, he denies it to her and to those around and after a little while, the bystanders again said to Peter, certainly you're one of them, for you're a Galilean. But he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know this man of who you speak. I don't even know him. Uh, John is going to add these other details here, that one of these folks is saying, well, he was, a, he was a, a cousin to the guy whose ear got chopped off, is saying, no, I know you're one of them. I, I saw you chop off my relative's ear, and, and there's this other one who's like, I, I know you're with him. because you got the same kind of accent as he has. We know you know this Jesus, and you're with him. And Peter says, I swear by heaven, and I swear by myself, I don't even know this guy. And he fully disassociates himself from Jesus. He says, I don't want to live with him, near him, for him, like him. I have nothing to do with him. Why? Why? Well, because of his circumstance. His circumstance is shouting a message that Peter is receiving full bore as he heads into his failure, which is, if I associate with Jesus, I will not get what I want and need in the deepest of ways. He doesn't believe the good news of the gospel. He doesn't believe in the protection of his Savior. He, he he instead believes that if I disassociate, if I walk away from, if I don't walk like, if I don't link arms with him, I'll get what I want and what I need. My security, in this case, my comfort, my own salvation. But if I stay linked arms with Jesus, uh, uh, He'll take me into this uh, area of violence and death and and suffering. I I won't get what I want most. I won't get what I need most. See, Peter is living not just with self-reliance, but this kind of misplaced incentive, misplaced motivation. He says, if I leave my Savior, I'll get what I want. I can pursue and I can get my deepest desire somewhere else, apart from, separate, distance, disassociated from Jesus. Notice where this gets him, though. He broke down and wept. In running from his Savior, he ran from his salvation. In running from the glory of Jesus, he ran from everything that gives him grand purpose in his life. In, in running from the security of the arms of his Savior, he, he runs into this unsure, shameful place where he's going to hide for three days. And again, in contrast... Much like Jesus highlighted the contrast of self reliance, here the women highlight no, it's with Jesus that life is found. And notice the women, they, they are sticking with Jesus all the way to the cross. You know, it's noon and Jesus is beaten, spit upon, hanging on a cross, and, and who's right there with them? Chapter 15, verse 40. There were also women looking on from a distance, among whom were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, the younger, and Joseph and Salome. When he was in Galilee, they followed him there too. They ministered to him. And there were also many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. And then it goes on. They they go all the way to the tomb where he's buried. Verse 47, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Joseph saw where he was laid, because they're right there with him. They're gonna be the first ones that run to the, they the go to the tomb to dress him for burial, uh, when he's dead, but then he's resurrected. They're the first ones there. Why? Because they are convinced our deepest needs are found in our Savior. Our, our, our hope, our joy, everything about who we are, it's found in close proximity to Christ no matter what comes. No matter what the circumstance says. But we live lives disassociated from Christ because we think we need to get what Jesus cannot give. Does anyone at your workplace know you're a believer? Do all your your students, your friends, your teachers, they know you're a believer... No, why not? Because if they knew, man, I couldn't get ahead. I, I couldn't get to the, the places in my job I want to get to. I couldn't be promoted. Or, uh, man, they would probably uh, shame me in my classes. Like I, I, I cannot associate with Christ because if I associate with Him, I don't get what I want and what I need. We don't believe and we don't cling to what's true in the gospel. Which is because of who Jesus is and all he's done, we are giving everything we ever could have longed for by his grace, mercy, and sacrifice. He's our savior. He's our king. He's the one worthy of worship. Who shaped our identity, gives us security and salvation itself. Where are you disassociating yourself? Seeking in other places what only Christ himself gives. I want us to spend just a little bit of time in prayer and confession here. Let's come before our Savior in these two areas that will most likely lead to our fall of self-reliance and misplaced motivations or misplaced incentive. Let's close our eyes and talk to him about this area of self-reliance. Father, each of us want to confess that we live lives that are self-reliant. First, Father, we confess that we have not oriented our lives around relationship with you repetitiously, coming to hear from you in your scriptures and talk with you in prayer. Talk with him about this for a little bit and and then name it as self-reliance and confess it. Father, we've also been self-reliant when it comes to our battle with sin, different suffering in our life, or any shortcomings where we fall up short of what you're calling us to, even in obedience. Now talk with them about these areas of sin or suffering or shortcoming in and obedience, and, and then label it, name it as your self-reliance and confess it. Now, let's talk to him about our misplaced motivations. God, we often live covert Christian lives. We hide who we are in front of our coworkers, our professors, fellow students, and even our families. Let's confess this, that we think we can get something in hiding that we could not get if we were associated with our Savior, Jesus. And Father, it's not just that we hide who we are with you, that we belong to you, but many of us, Father, are just running into the arms of sin, expecting that we can get some sort of satisfaction or security in a relationship that's not honoring you, or in living in a way that's not honoring you in order to get ahead or get on top. So God, we confess these things to you now. That we are seeking life and security and happiness and salvation and identity apart from you. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your son who knew these things were true about us. Just like he knew Peter was going to deny him, that he knew Peter was looking for life and salvation in other places other than him, and he still went to the cross, not in spite of Peter's sin, but because of his sin. So, Father, your son has gone to the cross for us, not overlooking our sin and in spite of our sin, but because he knows we need forgiveness and he wants to embrace us. So God, thank you so much for what Jesus has done and how we can rely on him and trust in him. That we know life is found only in him. We can cling to him no matter what the circumstance. Father, we love and we trust your son. God, would your spirit transform our lives to live with a confidence in you. A motivation only to run to you over and over again because you, Father, are good. Your son is our savior. And we're in relationship with you because of his life, death, and resurrection. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. See, here's what I love. Uh, None of this catches Jesus by surprise. This is Jesus talking to Peter right before he's going to deny him in Luke. And we get this detail. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you've turned again, when you've come running back to me, strengthen your brother. See, Jesus says, I I have advocated for you in my prayers, and now I'm advocating for you on the cross. And when you realize that after my resurrection, you turn and run to me, and you'll enjoy life and salvation, and then strengthen everyone around you to do the same, to do the very same. And that's what we do every Sunday here we're reminded that we have a Savior who knows exactly who we are and what we've done and that by His life, death, and resurrection, He radically transforms us as we repent and turn again to Him over and over again. So let's do that again this morning. But if you're not a believer, if you're someone who's not yet trusting in Christ, if if you're still living a self-sufficient life or a life that's chasing after other things for life and glory and salvation, this morning, don't take Communion. But receive Christ this morning. Uh, Run into his arms. Ask him for forgiveness. And and say, you don't have what it takes. You admit that, but, but cling to him who is the sufficient Savior. You can just do that simply in prayer by talking to him. But if you are, if you're following Christ, would you be reminded this morning, oh, what a merciful, mighty Savior we have. And would you run to him and remember that his body was broken that we've lived our self-reliant lives and lives chasing salvation and other things, that his blood was spilled to make us sons and daughters, to bring us home and transform us in the power of his resurrection. So let's take and eat this morning and are reminded what a great and mighty Savior we have. He's not surprised by our sin, but he draws us to himself because he is our salvation. Let's take and eat together.